The following audio was recorded at Stone Oak Bible Church. For more information about our church or for more resources, visit us at stoneoakbible.com. Church, good morning again. Um, I really hope you are doing well. I know that Like I said, this is spring forward, and I will say this as a dad to three little boys who wake up really early, this is the good one, because they think they're waking up at 6.15, it's 7.15, it's a good one, it's a good one, but I'm glad you're here. If you have your Bibles with you, would you open to Genesis 26 with us? Uh, If you don't have a Bible with you, you can use one of ours, should be one around you, and if you're here and you don't own a Bible, um, we would love to give you a copy. Uh, there should be a hardback black one or blue one around you somewhere. And if you don't have a Bible, grab that. If you see a nice leather one sitting beside you, that's not one of ours. You're stealing. But if you see a hardback black one, take it. That is yours. We'd love to give it to you. We've given away boxes of these, cases of these, and we love that. So please take it. Um, as we look at our text this morning, We are going to be looking at something so simple, yet so essential. So simple, so essential, though. And it all boils down, I'm going to give it all away, it all boils down to this. God has a sovereign and perfect plan, and we are called to respond. That's it. God, our God, has a plan and We have a response to his plan. This morning, we're going to see both. We're going to see first the the sovereign and perfect plan of our God unfolding through Abraham and Isaac and ultimately, church, through Jesus Christ. And we're going to see a response in Abraham, in Isaac, and ultimately in ourselves. And so, um, as we get to our text, would you pray with me? And let's just ask that God would move. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your presence. Here with us this morning as we gather in your name. We thank you um, for your people that we are gathering with. We thank you for your word that we are gathering around. And God, as we gather around your word, as your people, would you speak? Your word is living, it is active, and through it you move, you convict, you call us, you change us. So Lord, help us in the next half hour to hear from you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Just a side note on our text. um, Passing the baton to the next generation uh, can be a bit scary. Some of you know what I mean. Um, you work hard to build, build something, you pour yourself into something only to leave it to the next guy to run with it, to take it, right? And you, you hope they're gonna run with it and not run it into the ground, right? It can be difficult, always worthwhile to do it, right? Um, by the way, Christianity is all about passing the baton. It's all, of, we are a, a faith baton passing people. In fact, discipleship is just a fancy word that means pass the faith baton. Evangelism is just a fancy word that says find more people who can pass faith batons, right? That's what we are all about. That's what we get to do. And don't hear me wrong. 
it's not about you sitting and soaking in God's grace. Praise God, sit and soak, that's great. But you sit and soak in God's grace so then you can share it with all around you, with all the people around you. You have been redeemed to redeem. The Bible says you have been reconciled and given the ministry of reconciliation, um, forgiven to forgive, loved to love. It's Christianity is all about this. Well, Genesis 26 is what I would, I would call the baton passing text from Abraham to Isaac. And as we look at this text, and we're going to start right in verse 1, um, our God has a perfect and sovereign plan. It is perfect, he is sovereign, and he has a plan. So look with me, verse 1 of chapter 26. Now, there was a famine in the land besides the former famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went to Gerar and to Abimelech, the king of the Philistines. And the Lord appeared to him and said, do not go down to Egypt. Dwell in the land of which I shall tell you sojourn in this land. Now, pause with me here. Please understand the gravity of this request that God just made. Um, there was a severe famine in the land. And that is a dangerous time. A severe famine in the land. It's a dangerous time. It's a dangerous challenge to face regardless of where you're living. But you know who you do not want to be in a time of famine? A sojourner. You don't want to be that guy. God says, Isaac, I don't want you to go down to Egypt. You know that land with all the food? You know that land that has all the water? Um, Isaac don't go down there where you could feed your family and feed the people. Don't do that. Instead, sojourn here. Rely on me. Then God says, and I will be with you and bless you. For to you and to your offspring, I will give all these lands and I will establish the oath that I swore to Abraham, your father. So during this time of famine, Isaac, sojourn in the land that I'm going to show you. And as you do, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to be with you. And the Lord says, not only that, but do you remember that promise that I made to your, to your dad? You remember that, that promise that I swore to him that I would give to his people and to his offspring forever? Do you remember that? Well, I will establish that promise in you. Don't go down to Egypt. My promise is better. Sojourn in the land that I will tell you. Our God has a perfect and sovereign plan. Listen, each and every week, um, we have what we call a preaching meeting. And I want to give a shameless plug for it here because it's one of my favorite times of the week. So every Tuesday at a local business here in our community from 9 to 11, uh, we come together and all we do is we take the text that we're going to be digging in together on that weekend, that upcoming weekend, and we open it together and we just, we just dive in. 
we just dive into the text for an hour, hour and a half, or sometimes even two hours. Um, and we love this. And I, I want, this is an open invitation, okay? I'd love to just bombard this conference room. Um, this is an open invitation. If you're ever available, we would love to have you join us. And listen, you can join us um, if you've never been to a preaching meeting before. Um, you can join us from our app, the Church Center app. You can find it right there. Just go to all groups. You can find it. It'll give you a location, and we'll be able to communicate through that. You can even text PREACH to 210-880-9944. Had to look down to make sure I got that number right. I don't want you texting someone else. PREACH, right? Um, and you're going to get a link that will let you register directly for for our preaching meeting. Or you could be old school, and I, I love you for it. You'll find a black card around you. Just grab that thing, write preach, put your name, at least a name and an email so I, I know who you are, and just drop it in the back, and we'll get you plugged in. But listen, every, each and every Tuesday, and I know this is the worst time um, to say this because we're not meeting this Tuesday because I'm traveling. Horrible on my part to plan this, but... Um, starting again on March 19th, we'd love to have you. Each and every Tuesday, we come together around God's word. It's a great time. And if you can only come like once a month, come on. It's an open invitation to whenever you can join us. Uh, the reason I bring this up is because this Tuesday, I came into the preaching meeting and I said, guys, I, uh, I know this is a long chapter but I am really tempted to spend the entire time digging into two verses. Convince me why I should not do that. They did. They did convince me. But these two verses, verses four and five, seriously just overwhelmed me as I prepared this. It, it just overwhelmed. Just, the Lord used this text to just absolutely stir my affections for Jesus this week. I want you, to, I want you to, to listen to this. Verse four, read this with me. I mean, I will multiply your offspring as the stars of the heaven, and I will give to your offspring all these lands. Just reinstating that promise. Then listen to this. And in your offspring, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. In your offspring, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because Abraham obeyed my voice, kept my charge, my commandments, my statues, and my my statutes and my law. Listen to what was just said right there. God says, it is my plan, my sovereign plan. It is my plan that through one, through one man, through one people, through one family, I am going to bless the world. I am going to bless the nations. I'm going to bless all people. It is my plan, says God, my sovereign plan to bless the many through the one. Through the one, the many will be blessed. Through the one, the nations, all the nations will be blessed. Through the one, the sovereign plan of God is to bless the many through the one. And there should be absolutely no surprise here that God's sovereign plan today, his gospel, is still to bless the many through the one. To bless the many through the one. I mean, 
the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, the sovereign plan of God is still to bless the many through the one. I want to read this to you. You don't need to turn with me here. This is so good. Um, Romans chapter 5 reminds us, says, just therefore sin came into the world through one man and death through sin. So death spread to all men because all sin. But listen to this. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. And let him just unpack this. Listen to this. Verse 19 of Romans 5. For as by the one man's disobedience, that's Adam, the many were made sinners. Just take this in, church. So by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. It is God's sovereign plan. His perfect and sovereign plan to bless the many through the one. To bless the nations through Abraham. To bless the world through his chosen people. But bigger than that, as we zoom out from that in our text, his plan is and was always to bless all people through Jesus Christ, his son. To bless all through the one. Theologians have a fancy word, they like to create words that we don't need to, but they sound cool. Um, imputed righteousness. All that means is the righteousness of the one was then given, imputed to you. In other words, God's plan was to make you righteous, to bless the many through the one, through his son, Jesus Christ. As I read this this. This text, I mean, you, you just have to stop and realize that you and I are recipients of this great promise. That you and I are blessed through Abraham. That you and I are recipients of this blessing through faith in Jesus Christ. That in Christ, that's the one, we, that's the many, are made righteous justified by grace through faith in the one, in Jesus Christ. This is the gospel, the gospel that we proclaim, the gospel that Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God for salvation for all who believes. The many are blessed by the one. Our God has a sovereign plan, and in his his sovereign plan here was, was to reinstate the promise that he had just made to, that he had made to Abraham now, to reinstate it to Isaac. His plan was to bless the many through the one. And so I want us to skip forward a little bit. We see this again, verse 23. For there he, that is Isaac, went up to Beersheba, and the Lord appeared to him that same night and said, here it is again. I am the God of Abraham, your father. Fear not, for I am with you. I will bless you. I will multiply your offspring for my servant, Abraham's sake. Through the one, the many are blessed. This was the plan of God. This is the plan of God. And as I said at the beginning, this is a baton-passing moment um, that shows just emphatically that God in his sovereignty was allowing his plan to continue. From Abraham now to Isaac and beyond. 
you have to, if you were to have read this whole chapter before you got here, um, it would have struck you how many similarities there are between Isaac in this chapter and Abraham. It's creepy. It really is. Um, a commentator did well to point this out, said, we have a famine, just like we did with Abraham. We have a plan to go to Egypt, just like we did with Abraham. We have a decision to stay in Gerar, just like we had with Abraham. We have this weird lie of calling my wife my sister because she's pretty and you want to save yourself, right? Same thing daddy did, we see Isaac doing again. We have a very similar rebuke from Abimelech here, just like Abraham. We have a similar blessing, just like Abraham. The similarities here, if you were to compare these two narratives, just unbelievable. And it just shows us the way. God's plan is continuing on through Isaac, that the faith baton was being passed. And God was working through this. Our God has a sovereign and a perfect plan. But that's not all we see here. As the, the group on Tuesday reminded me, there's more here than just that. Because what we also see here is that Isaac had a response to this plan. That Isaac had a response. The plan of God was to bless the descendants of Abraham to bless all the nations through Abraham, to bless them because of him. But listen, they too had to exercise faith in order to walk in that blessing. And we see this, a commentator put this well, it's a genuine faith in God's promises engenders a fearless walk with him. But to cower in fear endangers the blessing and makes a mockery of faith. Listen, Isaac was promised this blessing by God. The promise was given to him. Now it was time for Isaac to respond in faith. Just like his, his dad did. It was time for him. And I want you to hear me. Please don't misunderstand and think that Isaac responded perfectly. He did not. In fact, as I mentioned, we see in verse 6, he resorts to the same weird plan that his dad did. Uh, she, oh, her? That's, that's my sister. Right? We see him do the same deception again, and it's like you, you read this and you think, come on, Isaac, right? Um, but through it all, Isaac believed the promise of God. He did not go down to Egypt. He sojourns in this land relying on the promise of God. That's all he had, that the Lord was going to bless, that the Lord was going to provide. That's all he had. He had no water he had no food, but he had the promise of God that he was going to go before him, and the Lord blesses him. Verse 12 says, and Isaac sowed in that land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold. I'm not a farmer, but that's insane. The Lord blessed him, and the man became rich and gained more and more until he became very wealthy. He had possessions of flocks and herds and many servants so that the, by the way, this didn't go well so that the Philistines envied him. We see the, the uh, makings of a conflict here, and, and here, sure enough, it happens. Uh, verse 16, and Abimelech said to Isaac, go away from us, for you are much mightier than we. So Isaac now leaves, a sojourner in a time of famine. One more thing I want to push on this. Do you know what you really need in a time of famine? Water. 
Water is important. Water. Um, and so Isaac settles in this valley, and then he starts to dig for wells. Verse 18 tells us. He digs for wells. He find one, finds one, but now a little conflict pops up. And I have to ask, have you ever experienced this, where you are walking in what you believe to be the will of God? You are being obedient. You are doing what he has put before you to do. You are walking in it. You're not looking back. You're seeking to do his will. And nothing but conflict hits you. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been... How many know that just because you're walking in the will of God does not mean that our lives will be free from conflict? It doesn't. In fact, I want to expand that a little more. When you face conflict, that does not mean that you are off track or off the will of God. In fact, sometimes as a part of God's perfect and sovereign plan, as you're walking after him, you will face and navigate through conflict. That's what happened with Isaac. If you look at this, he gets kicked out. But when Isaac's servants dug in the valley and found there a, a wellspring of water, the herdsmen, they quarreled with Isaac, and they said, the water is ours, right? I know you dug for it, but we'll claim it. And so he called the name Essek which means they contended with it. He's a very literal namer with these wells, as we, will, as we will see. That's frustrating. Just put a lot of time. We dug, we found it, we think we got it situated, and these guys just come and claim it. That's frustrating. Isaac could have made a stink about this. He doesn't. Instead, verse 21, they dug another well. But then they quarreled about that one too, so they called its name Sitna. Again, how frustrating is that? And again, Isaac could have been belligerent, made a stink about that. Instead, he moves on. Let's do it again. Verse 22. He moves from there and dug another well. This time, though, they didn't fight over it. So he called its name Rehoboth, saying, for now the Lord has made room for us. And we shall be fruitful in the land. And Isaac can, is continued to be blessed by the Lord. And, and here's what I want us to see here. The Lord is moving in such a way in Isaac's life right now that all glory was going to God. Not Isaac. All glory was going to God. God was working in a way that he was making himself known through all of this. I mean, listen to this. When Abimelech went to him from Gerar um, with Ahuzath, his advisor, and Fickle, I, I'm just going with these Hebrew names here, um, the commander of his army, Isaac said to them, why have you come to me, seeing that you hate me? And that you have sent me away from you. In other words, are you going to kick me out again? Right? Here we go. But then listen to what they say in verse 28. They said, we see plainly. By the way, oh, that the world would say what they're about to say about you. We see plainly that the Lord has been with you. 
it is plain to see that this is not about you, your wisdom, your ability, your might. No, it is plain to see that this is about your God. How incredible is that? And how incredible would it be if, that what was, is, if that's what was said about me and you, about us as people around us, look at our lives, that it is plain to see. It is plain to see that the Lord has been with you. I want you to think about this. It would have been, when faced with famine, it would have been logical, it would have been expected for Isaac to go down to Egypt. When faced with conflict, it would have been logical, it would have been expected for Isaac to lash out. He did not do either. With each of these things, Isaac walks in faith, believing the promise, believing the word of God. Isaac was given the promise, and in each of these situations, Isaac walks in the promise. And this is huge for us to see. Through Christ, you have been given a promise. Through Christ, you have been given the gospel. We are a people of the promise. And you are given your life, you are given now your situations that you face where you are going to have the opportunity to live and walk according to that promise. You've been given the gospel and now you get to respond by living your life, making decisions based on the gospel. I said we're a people of the promise. We live according to, in light of the promise. I, I wanna read for us Something. Um, this comes from the book Habits of Grace by David Mathis. Uh, this just so happens to be uh, the book of the month for our church. Every, every month, if you don't know, we grab a book that, that a good majority of us read together and we try to have discussion about it. Um, this is the book for March. I highly recommend you read it. Um, whether you are young or not so young or um, new to the faith or not so new to the faith, this is a great resource for any Christian. Um, I actually, I had five. I have four copies left. I don't want to take these home with me. Please let me give them to you. So if you want a copy, please come to me. I'm going to have them with me in the back later. I want to give them to you. But I, I want to read this this section of this, of this book because I think it sums up what we're talking about really well. Listen to this. All who have been given the promise, all who have been given the gospel, listen to this. I can flip a switch, but I don't provide the electricity. I can turn on a faucet, but I don't make the water flow. There will be no light and no liquid refreshment without someone else providing it. And so it is for the Christian with the ongoing grace of God. His grace is essential for our spiritual lives, but we don't control the supply. We can't make the favor of God flow. Listen to this. But he has given us circuits to connect and pipes to open expectantly. There are paths along which he has promised his favor. That is good. That is so good. Listen, Isaac could not control 
the favor of God. He could not control the blessing of God. Isaac could only walk in the promise, living in obedience and in faith. And in doing so, he walked along the paths that God had promised to bless. Isaac can't control it, but he can walk on the paths that God had already promised to bless. And church, God did bless him. You and I, you don't control the blessing or the favor of your God. You can't make it happen. You can only walk in the promise, walk in the gospel, living in faith and obedience to his word. And in doing so, you and I walk along the paths that God has already promised to bless. The Christian life is a life lived in the promise, expectant. Are you walking on paths that God has promised to bless? Our God has a sovereign and a perfect plan. That plan is to bless the many through the one. For God so loved the world that he sent his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Bless the many through the one. And in his plan, in his love, in his sovereignty, that was his plan before the world was created. His plan was to bless the many through the one, through his son, Jesus Christ. Our God has a perfect and sovereign plan. And we are called to respond. And we respond this morning, no matter who you are or where you come from, we respond in two ways. First is to respond in faith to Jesus Christ. We respond by trusting Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. We respond by acknowledging that our God has a plan and his plan is in Christ. And no matter who you are, where you come from, what you have done, the call for all of us is the same. The call is for sinners to come to Jesus for the forgiveness of sin. The call is to come to Jesus for life abundantly, life eternally. And if you've never responded to Jesus, if you've never responded in faith to the sovereign plan of our God through Jesus Christ, I do believe that today is the day. We are saved by grace through faith. And if you would like to pray with someone, if you would like to talk to someone today about this, I will be the last one to leave. I promise. There are others you can go to as well, but if you, if you don't know anyone and you want to talk to someone, please, don't leave here. Don't leave here. Respond in faith to Jesus Christ. The second response that we have is now to respond in obedience to Jesus Christ. To live your life in light of his plan, to live your life in response to the gospel, to live your life in light of the gospel. The gospel radically changes everything. It does not make sense 
for the lives of the people that have given themselves to following Jesus, for their lives not to look differently, for their lives not to be changed. It doesn't make sense. We should look different. We should live different. Our priorities should be different. You should not make sense to your neighbors, even the good ones. You should not make sense because the gospel changes everything. We respond in faith and obedience, walking along the paths that God has already promised to bless. Listen, if you were around with Isaac, it would not have made sense for him not to go to Egypt. That does not make sense. But Isaac was living according to the promise. And he walked according to the promise. And he looked and lived differently because of the promise. We look and we live differently because of the gospel. Let us respond to the sovereign plan of our God in, in faith and obedience. Would you just would you just pray with me as we finish our time that the Lord would show us what the gospel requires of us. God, we come to you this morning realizing that we are nothing apart from your gospel. That we are nothing apart from the work of your son on the cross. If it were left to us, we would have no chance. Even the best of us. Your word reminds us that we are all sinners, that we are all fallen, that we are all in need of the grace of a loving God. Not only does the word of God tell us this, but for every one of us in this room, our lives tell us this. Your word tells us the truth about ourselves that we already know. And so in light of that, we know that we are a desperate people who are desperately in need of your grace. And so this morning, we thank you that it was in your divine, sovereign, and perfect plan to bless us, the many, through your son, Jesus Christ, the one. We respond this morning in faith. And Lord, in light of that, we are a changed people. We live according to your promise. We're not just called to be good moral people. We are called to be radically transformed by your grace. We are called to be indwelled by the Holy Spirit. And we live our lives under different priorities. We live our lives according to your promise, according to the gospel. Lord, help us to do that. Help us to live our lives like that, that the world around us, just like we saw in our text, would look at us and say, surely the Lord is with them. Surely the Lord has gone before them because what we see doesn't make sense apart from him. Let our lives shine because we live our lives according to your promise. Lord, we give you glory for it. And we pray that as we leave this place, that you would help us live in it, walk in it for your glory. 
We love you. In Jesus' name.